24 hours after the Suns scored 106 points in Utah, they fly to Denver, score 106 points again, and beat the Nuggets. Two wins in a back-to-back again in high-elevation areas. A fantastic mini little road trip for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, what what a win, Matthew! I that was that was a quality win, man. Quality win right there. Yes, it was. It was the first real battle to the end. Those tired legs, dude. The Suns were just hanging in there. I don't know if they really tried to let the Nuggets come back. Of course they didn't. But it was just the fact that they were just trying to hold them off as much as they can because they looked tired out there. They did well learned win. Uh, I don't know what to say. This is just great, dude. I'm I'm really living it up right now. <laughs> well, happy new year. Uh, new year. Same result as last night. You know, we closed out 2020 with a win and then we start 2021 with another win against a quality opponent opponent. And to your point, Matthew, yeah. This team was tired. You could see it in the fourth quarter. Uh, they came out and initially, you know, they put it thir- 34 points in the first quarter and scored only 19 points come fourth quarter time in Denver, but it was enough to go and get the win. So again, Suns beat the Denver Nuggets on the road. Uh, big win. We're now five and one. The Suns are five and one, dude. Five and one, dude. This is, I mean, this is awesome because basically you had back to back games against really good opponents. And then honestly, this last game tonight, was the hardest game they'll probably have to face for a while, and they got it done. I was going to be happy with one and one splitting these games, but go, to go two and zero oh is astonishing for me. Well, damn it, you you took my one burning question right out of my mouth. What's that? Coming into this game and knowing that we had these two games on the road is going two and zero oh, exceeding your expectations, meeting your expectations, or coming short of your expectations. And it sounds like even one and <laughs> one exceeded your expectations. Correct. Yep, and this is exceeding it. So I, I am very happy, dude. As all the Jamsters out there, we are very happy right now, right, Jamsters? I'm, I know that the Suns faithful and the Suns Jam Session uh, podcast faithful are probably happy. The, the chat's firing off, so if, if you're joining yeah. us, thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, you can follow the pod at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter, and you can hear the podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, so make sure you subscribe, rate, and review there, where you not only get the Suns Jam Session podcast, but as uh, the Fanning the Flames podcast as well. So we've got plenty to talk about tonight after a big victory in Denver, one that, you know, we were up by 16 at one point. It felt like it was going to be, we were going to be cruising and the the Nuggets yeah. came back. So plenty to unwrap on this one. So uh, I'm starting the new rough, right? Popping it open. If it. I can. Oh yeah. Let's talk about this win, man. Okay, so the Suns go up to Denver. They are now 5-1 and one on the season. The last time the, the Phoenix Suns started 5-1, and one, do you know when that was, Matthew? 2009. 2000. In 2009, they started the season 4-1 and one and lost their sixth game of the season. So this is the first time that they've started a season 5-1 and one since backcourt 2K. With uh, <laughs> even though they weren't all healthy at the time, Jason Kidd and Penny yeah. Hardaway, that team, and they actually began that season seven and one. Uh, did you know that the best start in Suns history was eleven and one, and that was by the 1980-1981 Phoenix Suns? Boom! You come after a win, and you get a history lesson from the jam session. You gotta love that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, automatically with you, you always pull out these little stats, dude. So it's a cute little thing you do, and I love it because I learn more and more about these sons. Even though I feel like I know a lot, you know more, and I love to hear what you know. And plus, during a winning season, it just makes it even that much better, dude. To keep talking about the Suns. We were worried about doing this podcast when the Suns just weren't being that great, but this is like probably the best team right now playing in the West. I know that you have the Lakers who are resting. You just don't know who's going to play. So besides that, the Suns are playing by far the best in the West. Whether that lasts all season, I don't know, but right now they are. Absolutely. And, you know, the Clippers are another team that's been playing pretty well, but I'm pretty sure they lost to Utah tonight. And that's actually who we have up next on the schedule. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Suns win uh, a a butt clincher, as somebody said in the chat here. 
a couple minutes ago, and it's very yeah. true. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a game in which the Suns kind of prototypically had a close fo- first quarter. They were up 34-32 exiting that first quarter, and then we yeah. saw what we typically do with the Suns. We saw a team that comes out and has that defensive intensity with the second unit, and uh, they pushed that lead up to eight, and we kind of were going back and forth between you know 12 and eight points the majority of the game until the third. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, you know, a couple notes on this game. No Dario. Which, what are your thoughts on him getting that extra rest day? That's a good call, right? Yeah, I think he earned it. Really, um, the three game win streak where he was a part of the last two games, he earned that because he came in and didn't do too much the last game. But just to be that missing piece, it was kind of like, all right, we found it. But then also now that he's out of this game, I didn't feel too pressured that it would be something like the Suns would be missing too much because we've seen so much for so many players. And Kaminsky was that guy tonight to fill those minutes. I was wondering who it would be, but it was Kaminsky. He played some decent min- minutes, and I think that it wasn't too much, too little. He basically just came and did, did what he had to do, get some got some good offensive rebounds for second chance points for the Suns. So he helped the way he could. Um, but yeah, Sarich, I think he deserved the the rest. These back to backs. It's not like resting LeBron. You're actually resting Sarich, but still he's coming off an injury. So you got to give him the rest, right? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's one of those things going into the game, knowing that they have Jokic, knowing that they have Paul Millsap and they've got that big front line, like most every team does. I was a little concerned, you know, knowing that depth was going to be negated without Sarich and without Jalen Smith, that leaves Kamensky and Damon Jones. I was like, okay, if this becomes one of those free throw foul games, it's going to be frustrating. But Kamensky gave you quality minutes, 10 minutes, three points, four total rebounds. And like you said, three of those were offensive rebounds. And, and, you know, it's big to have him come in and actually be a rebounding presence. I don't think that's what something we're ever, we've ever been used to with big Frank is he normally comes in, shoots about three, three pointers and goes back down to the bench. Uh, (laughs) But you know, as uh, DW1707 says in the in the chat, you know, Frank filled in nicely. Uh, he's very happy with our bigs tonight, and so was I. And that was kind of my first uh, takeaway as I began watching this game was just seeing how they were going to navigate the five. Uh, but this is – okay, I, I feel like every every podcast starts with us talk, talking about DeAndre Ayton, right? Yes. Yes, okay, so, so we're going to have to make this like an official segment. So here, how about we do this? Watch 2021. This, on this edition of the DeAndre Ayton Watch, uh, in a season where everybody's being overly critical about everything he does through the first five games, I'm happy to report that he had a fucking awesome game, man. 22, what did he end up with? 22 and 11. 11. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, two blocks, um, only three personal fouls, but I felt like his fouls were good fouls. A couple offensive rebounds, 10 for 13 from the field. Uh, maybe everyone can settle down with DeAndre Ayton. You know, again, this is the versatility of this team, right? On one night, you're you're having Devin Booker close out the game, and he's carrying the team with 25 points. And then the next game, it's going to be DeAndre Ayton. And you know, so so, what are your thoughts on the performance of DA tonight? Well, I love it, man. I mean, you can see it in the chat, dude. They love DA's game. And every time we come into this podcast, it's like, what is up with DA? Where's DA at? We need him to step up. Tonight he did. And he was super tired to, to towards the end. I think the first half he played very, very well. Uh, he had 11 points or 13 points going into the halftime. But besides that, he was very efficient, dude. He was just playing his game. And he was able to be decisive in this game, I think, against Jokic. For some reason, he does very well against the Nuggets. That's his team. EJ was saying that every player has their favorite team. This is DeAndre Aiden's favorite team. It's the Nuggets. So now that we know that, we don't have to worry about the matchup with Jokic because he can actually face him one-on-one. And he was taking his time in this game mm-hmm. on the offensive end. He really was with the ball. And I love that, dude. It's like you don't have to rush anything if you don't want. You know, If you have the ball against Jokic or anybody on the block, take your time and get the shot off. That's what he did. He had those turnaround jump shots that were going in. He was just really crashing the glass, making a difference, tipping the ball out. He was doing everything possible. Even though we knew that he was tired, he played. How many minutes did he play? I think he played plus 30, right? 35 or 38, 38 minutes. 38 minutes for him. On a back-to-back, dude, that is nuts, dude, right? I mean, he. this is his game. This is the DeAndre Ayton game. It was Javon Carter's game last game. (laughs) Tonight, just kidding. Tonight is DeAndre Ayton's game. Yeah, and I think that uh, let's see who said here in the in the chat. Cody A. Phillips, uh, he was excellent. He's not going to be a dunking machine, but that's okay. We've we've been saying it for quite some time. Yeah. You know, Da is not going to be the the guy who's going to get you the highlight dunks on everybody. He's more of a finesse guy. He likes to kind of take his time around the basket, and we know that it's frustrating. But at the same time, 
he was he can be effective in doing so. And tonight he was effective. And it's always fun to see him put up these performances against Nikolai Jokic because Nikolai Jokic is a potential MVP, somebody who's finished in the MVP voting. He's technically sound. He's a complete player. And to have DA really go at him and, and put Nikolai in foul trouble is impressive to see. Now, granted, it was a team effort to get him in foul trouble. But at the same time, it's the, the constant monitoring of DA that he had to do that really frustrated uh, him and got him into foul trouble to the point where it, it, by the third quarter, I really feel like the refs uh, were upset with themselves because they gave him five because all of a sudden every call started going towards Denver's way yeah. to the point where in the fourth quarter, Jokic knew it and he could get away with whatever he want, had a couple over the backs that weren't called. And even though he's got that, you know, slim fit new body, uh, it still made me mad. Yeah, he was looking beautiful, right? Well, he came into the fourth quarter rested, so I was kind of worried after he got those five fouls. It was nice, but I'm like, okay, he's going to come in rested, dude, especially having two days off before from Denver. I just think that added to it, to where I thought he was going to come in like he did, facilitated the ball. Jamal Murray got hot. The Denver Nuggets, they got they made the run they were supposed to, and the Suns held them off. But besides that, Jokic, he looks good, dude. It's just this team's a little short right now. They're trying to find their ways. I don't know what's going on, why they can't you know, get a couple wins. I'm glad it's not tonight, but I think they'll yeah. get on track soon. Michael Porter Jr. was out, but besides that, I think Jokic did what he could in this game, but the five fouls really killed him, and I'm glad it did. I'm glad it was one guy from the other team getting five fouls in the third and not from not from our team. Yeah, but he still finished with 17, 11 assists, and nine rebounds. I mean, he's I just so technically sound. I know that every time Denver comes to town, I typically, for some reason, end up at the game. I think I've seen Jokic yeah. play like every time he's been in Phoenix for the past like four years. And between him and Jamal Murray, they're just both killers, and they're Suns killers. They Jamal are. Murray, I tweeted out earlier, averages 20.3 points per game against the Suns, which is the highest against any opponent. The closest one behind that, I think, is 19.8. It's like the Pistons that he's played like five games against. So these are two guys who, if it gets close and it's late, typically we lose those games. I've seen it in person multiple times. And tonight that didn't happen because we have the point God. Last night it's Booker hitting a couple big threes and then Crowder, who had an off night tonight, hitting a big three. And then it was CP3 just running the show at the end. And how nice is it to have two different players who at the end of a game can take the ball in their hands and facilitate a win? Yeah, it's like who's going to make the big shot? Who's the guy that's going to knock down a couple shots? It was Chris Paul. It it made me think today, I don't know if anybody's thought about this yet, but what is the MVP case for Chris Paul really for the Suns team? You know, it's kind of like the Steve Nash effect. He's coming in, we're five and one. Booker's not putting up stats like we thought he would right away, but we're getting wins. He's closing out the game. He's facilitating the ball to where he knows where to find the guy with the hot hand. It wasn't Booker. Booker made some bad turnovers in the end. Uh, but Chris Paul, he's the guy that can get to his spot. And I think he slowed things down in the end when Jamal Murray and the rest of the Nuggets team were hitting shots and just found his shot. And he did. And him using DeAndre Aiden too as like a pick and roll, but kind of like a prop in the middle to get to where he needs to go for his shot. That's just the that's the way he is. And I think those two point shots were clutch from Chris Paul. I don't know if Booker just didn't have it going, but it's fine because you know with the back to back you have those excuses. You have the tired legs. It just wasn't going in. It's not going to be his night every night. Booker had two great games to close out for the Suns the last two games. You know what I mean? He ended those games great. This time it was Chris Paul, and it, it was like, who am I going to count on tonight for the Suns? And it was Chris Paul this night, and I think he's earned to do. I think he's earned to be not MVP of the league, but for the Suns right now, besides Mikael Bridges, I mean, he's been the most valuable. I think. Without a doubt. I mean, he's consistently taking this team under his wing and showing them ways to win. And th this is what Devin Booker's always had a challenge with in the past. Eddie was mentioning it on the broadcast, and I thought he put he said it very eloquently when he says it's hard to have a pristine theater and have an, a complete game in which is just pure domination. And for the first two and a half quarters, that's what this game was, was pure yeah. domination by the Phoenix Suns. They were kind of doing whatever they wanted, shoot the three ball at will. Uh, Booker was playing a little shoddy, but Aiton was picking him up. CP3 was having a solid game. But at the same time, in the past, Devin Booker in the fourth quarter would have to put, and I've said it before on this pod, put the put the Suns cross on his shoulder and try to take us across the finish line. And now with CP3 yeah. here, he's managing some of those minutes. He's taking that weight off Booker. Booker's going to be more effective like he was last night in Utah and getting open for wide open shots. And tonight, you know, Booker went down a couple times and had two of his eight turnovers in the fourth quarter and is kind of yeah. like 
CP3 is like, listen, I'm just, I'll handle the ball from here on out, Book. I, I got this. And to your point, the way that he was utilizing DeAndre Ayton, who had been effective all night, to create havoc on screens and to navigate the, the, the paint was absolutely huge for the Suns. One thing I noticed in this game was the fact that the Suns were doing a really good job of creating mismatches, uh, utilizing screens. And it was interesting because it's not something I've really seen them do very effectively thus far this year. They'll sit there and they'll try a high screen and roll. And then, you know, a guy will fight through the screen and then you, you don't really get that mismatch where I feel like that's all the NBA playoffs are these days is just screen and roll switch, screen and roll switch until you get a matchup you want, then exploit that yeah. matchup. The Suns were doing that at the beginning of this game. And it made me think, you know, they, they lost Jeremy Grant, who's a really good wing defender and not having Michael Porter Jr. there, although he's not necessarily known as a great defender, is somebody who has length, and the Suns took advantage of that. And, you know, kudos to Monty Williams and the way he coaches this team and has them prepared to go up into Utah, a playoff team, and up into mm -hmm. Denver the next night, a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and take advantages of weaknesses that him and his coaching staff have identified and then having the ability to have Chris Paul execute those uh, coaching adjustments. Yep. Well, you know what? I want to hit on the um, Devin Booker turning over. Sorry, you Please. went over a few things there. But like Devin Booker, those turnovers in the end. Um, the thing is, I don't know what it is this year with his passing. It is pretty bad. He's I don't know. He doesn't trust his passing, but yet he'll force the worst kind of passes, which I've never seen before. Um, I think last year he, he kind of came to a standstill of being the playmaker, I think, for the Suns. But right now he's just not finding his way. But Sorry, I lost my train of thought a little bit in there. But yeah, the screen and stuff, the Suns are just moving the ball, dude. The Suns are honestly, they, they're doing those screens, but they're getting the wide open looks. But I, what I like the most, even if they're not wide open, these players are still shooting the shots in the face of the defender. I think Mikel Bridges is really comfortable right now shooting it with a hand in his face. This is something that he wanted to do before, which I don't mind him you know, taking it to the rim if he can. But I mean, he's shooting it confidently. And I think him and Langston Galloway, who has the ability to really draw a foul on the three anytime he shoots it anytime he wants i know he does it like once a game it seems like now that's something that's different too for the suns but yeah the screens and stuff i think the suns are actually just they're moving the ball and i think maybe some teams might be surprised too by the suns and i think that they see it on film they they watch the scene they know they're four and one but when you play against it, it's just totally different you don't you don't expect it and i think a lot of teams are just taken by the surprise right now by the suns and how well they're moving the ball yeah, and again, it's uh, how many total assists? 24 total assists for the Suns on 37 made shots. And if you look at the first half, I mean, they were so efficient in that first half because uh, the first quarter alone, they had 12 total makes and they had 10 assists. So they ended the game with 24. So they really, that's kind of the, the tale of two games, if you will, if you look at this game against the Nuggets, is the fact that in the first half, they had the ability to move the ball, get the guys the open shots, and then knock those down. In the second half, there was a lot more choppiness. Yeah. I, I really feel like Denver's second team did a good job of just pestering mm -hmm. the Suns. And it's one thing that... It, I know it's the legs. I know that Javon Carter and Cameron Payne were tired. The majority of this team is tired. You know, you're, you're going up to Utah in elevation and you're going to Denver more elevation. Yeah. So by, by the middle of the third on they're they're gassed and you can see it yeah. because you didn't see a lot of that full court press. Whereas the Denver nuggets have been off for the past three days and they live in Denver. So they're used to the, the elevation and they mm -hmm. were starting to do that to the, to the, uh, the Suns and really started to disrupt them. I mean, there's guys I'd even, I've never even heard of who came in and were causing problems. Uh, Hartenstein, like who's Hartenstein? this guy? Hartenstein. It was like Frankenstein out there. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I was like, who's this guy? And then you also yeah. had Jamichael Green out there knocking down three pointers and creating havoc and, and getting his hands and everything. And, uh, you know, Harris was a, a pest as well. I mean, do yeah. you think that the Suns uh, actively didn't try to do any full court press or they were just too tired to try? They just look tired. And I think like even seeing the face of Chris Paul, usually he's one to like trying to argue or try to get his team going and stuff. But he, you can just tell the look on his face walking back to the bench. He was exhausted. And I think Hartenstein, whenever he came in to really <laughs> mow his way over, like, I feel like he was trying to take on Aiden. Like this is easy and stuff. He did for a while there. He really did. But Aiden had to find himself and just get back to business. And he did. And he finished out a little bit more strong than Hartenstein until Jokic came back. Those were good seven minutes by Hartenstein. I think he became like, it was like his 20 seconds of fame basically uh, for that guy. When he come, came off the bench, I think he had seven points, right? Yeah. Seven yeah. points for that yeah, guy. Seven yeah. Points. 
Yeah, it was so, it was pretty cool to see. Should we give him the Jack Taylor Award? I, I was just going to say, is right, he here, the Jack let's, Taylor let's, Award winner? Here's our Jack Taylor Award. The Jack Taylor Award for the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. Because everybody remembers Jack Taylor, the guy who scored the most amount of points in NCAA history, right? That was Hartenstein yeah. tonight, a guy who comes out of nowhere and, and is running the pick and roll better than Aiton does sometimes. And you're like, what's going yeah. on here? Um, <laughs> here's a point that, that Coda Kid brought up in the chat, and it, it definitely needs to be addressed. He's like, I'm going to be that guy. We blew a 16-point game. And that's very valid. And I understand that. And, and trust me, as we're all watching it, it's frustrating to watch the turnovers. I mean, okay, so, so here's kind of a series of events um, that I, I put down in my notes. Okay, so the Suns... Uh, Jokic with 831 left in the third, and the Suns are up eight. Jokic gets his fourth foul, goes to the bench. During that time frame, the Suns run a lineup of campaign, Booker, Bridges, Cam, and, and Jay Crowder while he's gone, because you can. You don't have that, that, that big presence, but that's when Hartenstein comes in and starts to play very well. And then when the Suns are up 13, Jokic comes back with 230 left in the third, and he fouls Kaminsky on his first offensive possession. But from that point on, the Suns, three offensive fouls, and two turnovers to end the third quarter. And yeah. uh, and and still at that point, they're up nine. But then you go into that fourth quarter, and they just weren't getting shots up. And it's because they were turning the ball over, they were playing sloppy, and they were tired. And, and then you have to realize that. And this isn't the, you know, you're not going, this isn't the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Detroit Pistons you're playing. Yeah. This is the Denver Nuggets who were in the Western Conference Finals last year. You have Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic who know how to finish out games. That's how you get to the Western Conference Finals. They know how to play the refs. They know how to, you know, run their sets and be effective. And that's exactly what they did in that fourth, Matthew. Yeah, the the team, the Suns, they actually played outside their offense a little bit. I think Booker really tried to take it into his own hands in the end. But even in the fourth, dude, those turnovers were really bad. The one three he made where he was like fumbling the ball out of bounds and uh, the defender almost had it, but then Booker got it back and held, hit a big three. But besides that, Booker, like he had even like in the Pelicans game, there are just times where like the, the other defender knows what to do and poke the ball away. And he's had huge turnovers. And I don't know if it's going to end or what's going to happen, but you see it sometimes with some players. But it's just been a consistent thing for Booker in the end of the game. So where I just don't trust him too much. I mean, if he's wide open for three, but if he's if he's handling the ball in the end, I don't trust it. But Chris Paul, I do. But besides that, dude, there's just something they have to find at the end of these games where it's a 16-point lead, of course, and every team goes on runs. But when you're when the other team's going on a run and you're tired, I think, like I said before, there's a little bit more of an excuse you can have just because you are tired. But closing this game out, I think, helps the Suns in the long run. I think just these close games winning it, like the ones we would lose last year, these are the ones that we will win this year, I think, because we have the correct core, especially if it's not a back-to-back. It'll be a more easy win and we have guys that can make big shots. So all of that, I mean, it's just it, it comes down to really, I think, just the Suns team going to the next level, really, with this win. I know it looks sloppy and stuff, but a win's a win. They, they help this team, I think, in the future. Absolutely. A, a win's a win. And, and you know what? You're not going to win every one of these games. There's going to be a bad call. There's going to be a bad possession. And you know what? I mean, that's how razor thin wins and losses are in the NBA. We know that. We're yeah. Suns fans. We're always on the other side of that with, you know, especially in these past couple of years. You know, this isn't three years ago where the Suns were getting blown out in every game. And, you know, by halftime, you were checking out the Ohio State Clemson game. You know, this is. <laughs> A, a yeah. team that in the past couple of years have been so close and, and the margins are so razor thin. And I remember like the Denver games, the, the two games I think I seen, I saw them play the past year. It was Jamal Murray hitting big shots as the time expired or Devin Booker taking a yeah. three. I, I think there was one where he got blocked. I mean, I, uh, against the, the nuggets last year in a, a, for a corner three that would have won the game. I mean, so it's always so close, but we're coming out the other side because of the leadership and the position that we put ourselves in, you know, this team came out hot from downtown. They went, what, seven for 11 in the first quarter from yep. the three point. Uh, they ended 13 to 35. So they fell off as normal, but but shot 35 attempts and and 37 percent from downtown. Uh, that's big. The free throw percentage, 19 for 21. Absolutely huge. And what's interesting is Devin Booker's. Uh, free throw percentage, you know, coming into the game, mm -hmm. he was shooting 60 or I'm sorry, 70% on the season. And he went one for two tonight. And he, and that one was in the fourth quarter. Something's a little bit off for Booker this year. And I really think that it's, it's him learning to play with this team. I mean, I mean what, what else could it be? I mean, we, we, 
harped on the Jenner thing a little bit, but besides that, there is something off. I mean, even his free throws were so automatic, but he's just missing them more consistent than ever. His him drawing fouls is an art he created, I feel like, last year. He's lost that too. I think just the energy he has at the end of games, he still has a thing that I kind of don't like too. I'm not like bringing him down or anything. I'm just saying where he wants to go one-on-one with like Jamal Murray and try to end the game. But then you see, like we talked about the turnovers, that's the thing he still has. And I wish he won it. I wish he would defer to another player too, especially if he doesn't have it going that night. I mean, he started out really slow, but then he ended up with 22 points, right? Yeah, 22 mm-hmm. points. Uh, he kind of turned it on there, but you can tell he was kind of losing it. But there's just something that is off. We've noticed it since game one. It's like a little bit of the attitude, a little bit of something that we just know it's different. I don't know if it's bad or good or what. I'm not saying anything's his fault or anything like that, but we just know there's a difference. And if we keep talking about it, just like we do DeAndre Aiden, we want him to show up. We just notice these things with the players. And I don't know if it's something that he just needs to get used to with the offense. Maybe it is, but this should be an easier offense for him to maneuver, right? I mean, to get those wide open shots that you thought he would have going into the season, I feel like that he's getting that, but there's just something different with him. No, I completely agree. And he is getting those wide open shots. He's not knocking all of them down. I mean, again, this isn't trash and booker in any way, shape, or form. He carried us no. to a victory last night against Utah, but it's clear yeah. that something's a little bit off. Uh, Coda Kid says it's that Jenner curse, you know, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I I, I don't know. But at the same not. time, you know, I think a lot of it, though, is just kind of the, the disrespect. I think he gets in his own head sometimes because I think he's he's having a hard time getting calls. I mean, there, there was two or three uh, times where he took the ball to the rim in this game and is blatantly yeah. fouled. Okay, not blatantly, but, I mean, it'd be a hard call. Luka Doncic, I mean, they would have called it like a technical on the guy for looking at him that long. And he's not getting those calls, you know, and, and he gets pissed off and he hits a couple threes. And, like, I love pissed off Booker. Like when he's not getting that respect, he goes into the zone and it could be very dangerous for the opposition when he gets into that zone. But, you know, you look at one of the primary weaknesses of the Suns this year, and thankfully there's not that many. And one of them is getting to the free throw line and it's not for lack of trying. They just don't get the respect or the calls from the refs. And there's nothing you can really do about that. And again, I think that Booker, by the time he finally does get to the free throw line, again, this is a guy who's consistently taking it down the lane, putting himself in hard situations, getting bumps, getting fouled, and he only shot two free throw attempts in this game. He's not getting the respect that he should. Yeah, but the, it's so weird. It's like, what does Luca? what does Harden do? What do they do different? I know Harden is a winner. Harden has always been a winner, so maybe that's it. Luca, he's new to the league, so he gets... But even Trey Young, man, that guy goes to the line 50 times a game. But look there how much they bitch. Different. Yeah, they do, but Booker does too. Booker it's a does different kind of bitching. Every, you think so? Booker's like an asshole when he bitches. He'll yell at him well, and he he'll do this a lot to he, review. He, well, he does the review thing, but he also yeah. points at him and, and gives him kind of the, the like what the fuck look to the referees. Yeah, to the referees. Where if you watch Luca, Luca and and uh, Trey Young are constantly their hands are always in the air. They're just always in the air. They'll shoot it, be make it. No one will be around. They like look at the ref, put their hands in the air very visually. And I feel like it's almost like Booker attacks the ref versus. You know, Luca and and James Harden and Zion got some of those calls, and they and they, it's just the the body language in, in which they approach yeah. the referees. You watch Luca before the game; he's going around like high fiving all the refs. You know, I just it, it's a different yeah. way that he and and that's because that's the kind of guy Booker is. He's got that killer instinct. He's he's got the Jordan kind of gene, if you will, the Kobe gene, the you know I demand respect gene, and. He doesn't know how to effectively communicate to that to referees. So rather than getting a foul call, he gets a T. And he got close tonight. I, I like I almost put in my notes like, here we go. Here comes another T. And like he yeah, just I was coming too. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, that's what happens to him. And I think that that's effect. And it, it's it's going to improve because Booker with Chris Paul there is going to teach him like, hey man, you got to play these refs different, man. Chris Paul is now going through. This is a sixth game next to him, dribbling the yeah. the ball up the court with him by his side, and him he's going to teach him how to do it. I think so too. But Booker, I think he has to draw those fouls though. I don't, it's like a mix. It's a mix of no respect. It's a mix of you're just not putting your body, putting your, your, your arms or the shot in the way of the defender to get the foul. I really think he had it last year and he lost it. I don't know what it is. He doesn't do the same thing as he did when he was going to the lane. So I just think there's a mixture of that, dude. I'm not blaming the rest or blaming book. I think it's just right in the middle, man. I think this team will get respect, of obviously, but the free throw thing is crazy. I think the free throw thing with Booker, how he's not getting as many calls as like a Trey Young would, but there's just an art to it, and I think he just lost it right now. I think he needs to get it back. And like we were talking about, just him finding his way in the offense, maybe it'll ease him way into a few of those fouls. 
Well, it's definitely an area of opportunity for Devin Booker. And again, on a team that's now five and one, and as a lot of people are saying in the chat, is one of the best teams. I think it's the best team in the NBA right now because of their win total. Um, so again, you know, if, if you are watching, thank you ever so much. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Suns Jam. And then make sure you listen on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network and visit Bright Side of the Sun because that's where both Matthew and I uh, published our writing there. So we, we appreciate everyone who's hanging out with us today. Uh, one thing I also wanted to talk about with this team, you know, now we've given up 103 points. Coming into this game, we had the best defense in the league in a points per game standpoint we gave up 97.8 points per game number one in the league uh number one in negating assists we have only been given up 18.4 a game number one in three points made per game 7.8 uh three point percentage and three point attempts number two in the league field goals number two in the league i mean you look at this team defensively and it's really what's defining this team it's really what's Keeping, I want to say keeping us in games, but having the ability to shut down the opposition is absolutely paramount in the NBA. And although it's early, it's a great thing to see, Matthew. It is, and it starts in the second quarter, right? I mean, I feel like every time they come out in the second, the defense is turned on, the threes are going up, the team rebounding, everything comes together in the second quarter. It's like that push towards the halftime to where they can end the quarter well, and that just really creates for the second half. I think that's something last year they missed a lot, and I think just the defense in the whole is what they missed a lot the last 10 years, but now you're seeing it not so much in the first, which is fine. I feel like a lot of teams are just going out to feel out the game, and then once the second quarter hits, adjustments are made, Monty knows, like, you know, this is when we got to turn on the defense. Chris Paul's the leader. You have Aiden, who's always, I feel like, consistent in the second half or the second half, but even in the second quarter, too, as well. You're seeing a lot of just the same, the same thing every game, man. I think we just start out great in the first and then the second quarter, everything comes together and then they try to finish. Tonight, they get with the 16 point lead. But besides that, I mean, you're seeing the same trend with this team, which is just the winning effort from the second quarter on. I mean, I might be wrong, but I mean, even if they get tired at the end of this game, it's like they still have a purpose to win the game and they're still close with a really good team. So, I mean, they're all, all this points a great success, I think. Absolutely. I mean, Suns win. I mean, that's the end goal, right? The most, the most vital statistic is what you put up in the win column and what you put up in the loss column. And they're five and one yeah. now. And you're absolutely right. That second team defense, essentially, it happens every game. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, when when the second quarter starts, you got the campaigns out there and the different lineups, Jay Crowder and, you know, obviously Mikhail, the Warden Bridges. Uh, yeah. the, the How they make it hard for the opposition is just fun to watch. Every shot yeah. is contested. The passing lanes are contested. They they have a, the ability to cut off uh, uh, guys driving to the basket and just kind of create havoc. And what happens is it demoralizes the team. I mean, there was one point in that second quarter where Denver – truly looked demoralized. I really felt yeah. like after oh. a couple threes and, and a couple, you know, shitty possessions, they, they did not look like they were happy at all. And that they were almost, they almost wanted to wave the white flag. Now, granted, this is a, a, a really good team that went to the Western conference finals and they're going to find a way to claw back in, especially when you got Jokic and Murray, but, but in the second quarter, that's really been the, the, the tone setter. And I feel like so many times in the past, and and I for, forgive me if you're new to the Suns fan base and we reference the past because it's been a shitty one for a long time. But like last year, I remember when Booker would come off the court and we'd still have Rubio out there and vice versa. If those two guys weren't on the court, the Suns weren't as effective yeah. offensively and the defense would be gone. And we couldn't play defense, and that's where you you lose games. Is the the Suns will be up three points coming out of the first quarter, and they're down ten by the time Booker comes back. And now it's the 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 script has been flipped, if you will. Yes, correct. Yeah, it is. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were keeping going. Um, sorry, I'm a little off tonight. I don't know what's going on. Maybe too that's much probably yeah. It's night. probably you probably had a few too many of these guys on New Year's. It's okay. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2021. Yeah, but the flip is script, man. I mean, the, oh my god, I can't even say the that. The flip just is cut, script. Just, just cut me off. Just cut okay. me off. No, uh, what I was gonna say is, yeah, and this the thing is flipped. The script is flipped, basically because I think that you just have a situation where we actually have a coach for the second year. We have the installment of like a defense and, a, and an offensive trend that's gonna last more than two years. I think that's a big part of it. And MV, MVP. Uh, Chris Paul coming in here to lead the charge. But besides that, dude, I just think you guys, we have the bench that is producing. And tonight it was like when Sarge was gone, 
Galloway came back tonight too. Galloway came back huge. He had nine points. Cam Johnson started out great in the second quarter. They come in and they just give us that lift in the second quarter where they can knock down threes and get this team a lead. And yeah, the Nuggets were out of it. They were waving the white flag until Jokic got knocked out of the game and then the bench came in and helped them out, which made no sense. But besides that, like they just looked like they were gone. There was times when, when Murray was just like stomping around the court because he was so upset with how he was playing. I was like, this is okay. This is a blowout. I was actually writing the recap for today and I was writing the Suns blowout, the, <laughs> the Denver Nuggets. So it is my fault that the Denver Nuggets came back. But besides that, man, I think that they handled the, their cells okay in the end. Absolutely. I mean, Again, they, they a 106 to 103 victory over a really good team pushes them to five and one overall, three and one on the road, and now they're coming home. Um, a, cu- a couple other guys that we haven't really talked about. Jay Crowder had an off off game. Okay, only four points, yeah. 0 for four from downtown, one for five from three, and we we've talked about it before. Th- that's what you're going to get from him. Okay, you're going to get those games where it feels like you can't miss, and you're going to get games where it feels like you can't hit. So, um. I mean, it's okay. Again, I mean, yeah. there, there, there's so much depth to this team that they can keep firing from multiple places. Like, like you said, Langston Galloway, man. Langston comes in, only he plays in seven minutes, but has nine points. Like that's beyond point a minute. That that's what that's the kind of production that you want. Javon Carter comes in, doesn't put up any points, uh, has two assists, two rebounds, but it's a plus twelve. You know, Kaminsky, 10 minutes, plus 14. Cam Johnson, nine points, three for eight from downtown, a plus 14. Uh, four rebounds, two assists for Cam. You know, again, he's somebody who I feel like he can give you 20 points and it's effective, and he can give you 10 points and it's effective. And the way that he yeah. can play and defend, again, going back to that Suns defense, due to the length of this team, due to the, the depth and their strength at the wing position, it makes him very versatile. It's hard for Jamal Murray when he does try to get into a switch. The guy who's switching on him isn't going to be Ty Jerome this year, man. It's going to be Cam Johnson or Langston Galloway or, or especially like Javon Carter who's going to get right up in his shorts. I mean, it's it's really tough on the opposition to get mismatches that are going to benefit them, and that's a credit to the way that, one, Monty coaches this team, but, two, the way that James Jones has built this yeah. roster. And we're surviving right now with – some of our bigs who are out, you know, again, no Dario, no Jalen Smith. Uh, but the guys we're filling in those minutes are giving you quality minutes. And that's the key. You know, the, the the theme of this win is quality. This is a quality win. This isn't going into uh, uh, the Pelican, having the Pelicans come to town and beating the shit out of them. You know, that's a fun win. It's it's enjoyable when you crush somebody by 25 points like we did Zion and the Pellies last yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. But when you go into Denver on the second night of a back-to-back and you win a game that you were up 16 and you lost the lead, but you still grind it out and win, that is quality, my friend. Yeah, if the, it, are the Suns, are they like Kansas City? Like the Kansas City Chiefs where we're just messing around with these teams now that we're this that good to where we're going to win 17 to 14 against the Jets or whatever? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that the way the Suns team is now? But dude, with Crowder, like, okay, so I love him in the starting lineup, so just leave him. But I wouldn't even know that he was having a bad game. Him, Javon Carter is probably the only one I noticed that doesn't have a good game. Like if he's just missing shots, but he still had the two assists, two rebounds, which is fine. But a lot of these players, if they're not putting up stats, I don't know. Like I can't tell how bad they're doing unless I look at the back um, box score just because they're they're doing so much more that's not going to show up on the box score. That's the difference with this team. And I think the only thing that sucks is when I do see like a Devin Booker turning the ball over. That's the only thing I see from this team. Where I'm like, come on, like, Get it together, and then DeAndre's play sometimes is inconsistent. But besides that, you'll never know that these these players off the bench are having a bad game because usually they come in, and if one of them's not hitting, the other one will. But they'll also contribute in other ways. That is just the difference. That's why we're winning these games is because they're making the small little efforts that when they're not making their shots and they're only getting four points from Crowder, he's going to do everything else too to lead this team to a win. Absolutely, it's it's leadership, it's veteranship, it's those things that you didn't have in the past. It, it's it's not having Ty Jerome and Elia Kobo and these guys who are coming in and trying to figure out who they are as NBA players versus <laughs> guys who are true veterans and even on their off nights are going to find ways to contribute. You know, Crowder, four personal fouls, you know, a couple yeah. free throws. I mean, but he's still at the same time found a way to contribute to this team and, and lock up the opposition. Um, I like what... Uh, ACU crack says find Galloway more minutes. <laughs> you know, yes. it, it, it's hard at the guard I position know. right now. You know, each one more is not even playing. You know, Chris J says in the chat, I want to see more hit the floor. 
I'm with you, but you know what? The, the combination's working right now for Monty, and I'm glad that he's not having to go through the motions and try to figure out what his rotation is. He's set on his rotation. We have a starting yeah. five. He knows who's coming in first off the bench in each individual position, and it's been working for the Suns. And there were so many times last year where I felt like Monty was searching to find that right combination that would get him a win, and it's winning. It's working right now right out of the gate. Five and one, and we could technically be six and oh, man. I know, but the rotations are crazy because you would think like, okay, maybe more would get some minutes tonight just because it's a back-to-back. No, he's sticking with these guys. He's running DeAndre out there back-to-back games with 35-plus minutes. So that's just the way he's going to do it. He's like a Mike D'Antoni again where he's just going to play the same guys to get these wins. I think one thing, once things settle down, maybe in the schedule we play some easier teams and some blowouts, you'll see more of these players. But for now, play the best player, play the best guys, play Galloway more if you can but like you said the the backup point depth with Cameron Payne playing as consistent as he is it's it's hard to replace him and then I don't know it's I am just so confused with when Galloway is on the court for seven minutes I feel like he's on the court almost the whole game just because he brings that much in the little seven minutes where I feel like he's playing like 15 minutes already so I don't even think about that until someone brings that up no, I completely agree. It's just it's because he's so effective in the time that he's provided that it feels like he's been out there for a couple quarters and yeah. he only got a few minutes. So again, it, it just showcases the depth <laughs> of this team. Um, so this is a new segment we have. I haven't made an audio drop for it yet, but essentially it's the jam ball of the game. It's our version of the player of the game. If anybody in the chat can think of a better name, I'm all open to it. But Matthew, as you look at this win, 106, mm-hmm. 103 against Denver, who gets the jam ball of the game for you? DeAndre Aiden, it's his coming out game. Like he basically, he he took the team like not on his shoulders, but he was just very much to where he he played his game, which was very simple, and that's all we ask. He's doing the simple things with his shot, just doing as much as he can around the boards, around the rim, and I think that this is what he needed to really kind of get on better track. Even though he's been playing okay, but we give him a hard time, I just think that this will give him on a on a better track for the future of this of the season. I think this will be the start of something to where I know he's not going to have this game every night, but we can look back and be like, yeah, he averaged, he got the twenty two and eleven game. That's what we expect, but it's not going to come every night. But when it does, especially when the rest of the team doesn't do as well, I would give him the game, the jam ball game of the, or yeah, what is it? The jam ball of the game. The jam ball of the game. <laughs> I don't know. I like what uh, Benjamin Shindell said in the in the chat. He's like Jaman of the game. Man, <laughs> Jaman. Jawana man. Jawana man. Huh. Really bad movie. Um, I really want to give it to Da. I mean, and you look in the chat. Coda Kid. Da. Uh, Alex Delgado. Da was balling day. Um. You got a bunch of people agreeing with you. Um, yeah. I, and I and I really want to give it to him because of the effort he put in and, and the how he's crucified consistently by Suns fans. I mean, he, we're so critical of him to the point where I've made that drop so we can actually talk about, you know, the eight and watch 2021 because it's what everybody cares about right now. You know, yeah. when you ask everybody before the season began with Chris Paul coming to town, who needs to be the X factor for this team to be successful? And, and almost to a T, everybody said that it needed to be DeAndre Ayton. So I had to have him come out and put up 22 and 11 against Jokic, against a big front line to uh, be fantastic on defense. He had an unbelievable defensive game going straight up, deterring yeah. shots, uh, blocking shots, doing everything that DA is supposed to do. He should get the jam ball of the game. And and I'm going to really fortify that by saying that's a great pick, Matthew. I'm going to go with Chris Paul just because he closed the game. Because yep. no matter all of the efforts that DA put forth and, and some of the efforts that uh, Devin Booker put forth that weren't necessarily successful – Chris Paul had to close this game and he did. He took that ball in his hands. He went down, he hit the clutch shot. He got the, you know, he hit the free throws at the end. He did everything necessary to push this team to a victory when it looked like we were on the brink of collapsing. And so for that reason, he is my uh, jam ball of the game. I've really got to come up with a better name for that. So I'm relying on you jamster listeners. Yeah, come up with a better name for that. What a great pick, especially like I didn't even pick him, but I was talking about him being having an MVP case after this game, and I didn't pick him as the player of the game. It's maybe because I want to give some love to DA, so I had to get it out there. You know, he's earned it, he definitely earned it. I mean, so you can't can't argue with that. All right, so up next for the Suns, uh, they are going to be playing the Los Angeles Clippers at home, and that's going to be on Sunday night, and I believe it's six o'clock, right, Matthew? Yeah, six o'clock. I'll double check because I'll just pull up my yeah. little thing here. Yep. Uh, 6 p.m. Fox yeah, Sports Arizona on January 3rd. Uh, yeah. 
obviously another big game. You know, these are three tough uh, opponents back to back to back. You get three Western Conference playoff teams back to back to back. And this is a team that, you know, with Kawhi Leonard, with uh, Paul George, as I affectionately call them, Leo and Gio, Leonard and George. I know you guys saw what I did there. I don't know if you like it, but that's okay. But it's it, it's going to be a team that is going to be hungry and ready to, for victory. They lost tonight to the team that we beat last night. They lost to Utah 106-100. to They're now 4-2, and two, and they probably want to come in and, and do what Utah did. You know, Utah lost to us, so what did they do? They, they regrouped and they came out. And they beat the Clippers tonight. The Clippers are going to look to come to Phoenix on yeah. on Sunday and do the same. So, what are your initial thoughts as we look forward to the Suns potentially going six and one on Sunday? Oh man, it's a fun team. It's going to be a fun game. I think it's a really good matchup for the Suns to see where they are in the West. You know, I mean, they're four and two. We're five and one. So, but I feel like the Clippers are going to be one of those teams. Of course, in the end, they're going to be maybe even the, in the championship, the NBA Finals. They'll probably be that team from the West this year, just because of what happened last year. You know, they can't have any letdowns this year. So far, I don't think anybody's really rested on their team, which is fine. It's early, but they can't afford that. I think they see the Suns as a team as like, hey, we should go in there. We should handle business. I know they're 5-1, and one, but we know we're better. And the Suns are looking at it like, hey, we're 5-1. and one. I know they think they're better, but we're going to go in there and handle business. So they're both thinking the same thing. They both think they're the best team in the West. And we'll see, man. I am excited for this game. This is the first game after this back-to-back to where these games against Utah and the Jazz, are like, yeah, they split. It's good. It's fine because they're going to be tired. But mm-hmm. this one, I, I expect it to be close. If it comes to a close game and the Suns lose, that's fine. But besides that, I really think the Suns think they can have the upper hand against the Clippers, don't you? Well, yeah, this is going to be a a pretty fun little battle that the Suns are going to have against the Clippers because, like you said, both of these teams now know that they're the elite of the West thus far this season. This is the this is the top. This these are the games where you know we talk about when you play teams like the Kings and and the Pistons and the Cavs and the Bulls. Those are teams you're supposed to beat, so beat them. The Pelicans beat them. But when you go against the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Jazz and you come out the other side and you win, you know you're elite. And, and you know what? We just went 2-0 on the road in elevation against two really good teams, and we're coming home with two victories in our pocket. And don't you think that Monty Williams and Chris Paul is going to let anybody on this team think that we've accomplished shit as of yet? Because we haven't. And no. this is going to be a fun early season battle against the Clip Show. Uh, I doubt they rest anybody. I haven't looked at the injury report yet to see who kind of who's in and who's out. But it's a team that is definitely uh, something to be afraid of. You know, we talked about in the offseason. They didn't necessarily make a ton of moves. They lost Montrez Harrell, but they brought in Serge Ibaka. Uh, they re-signed Morris for way too much fucking money. Yep. Um, and so they didn't do a lot. But, you know, Serge Ibaka is something that is going to create problems for our front line. You know, he's he's athletic. He's not as crazy athletic as he used to be but he's somebody who does have the ability to put our guys in in stressful situations on defense and it's going to be interesting to see that coupled with uh paul george and you got to remember the last time the clippers played the suns booker hit a huge shot the shot really? in the bubble hmm, i remember I that one i don't know if you i'm gonna be that guy be like do you remember he? Yeah, I think he hit a big shot against the Clippers before. That they're was gonna, so last year. That, that's going to be the thing in the pregame. Is they're going to bring up like I believe Book, Booker hit a big shot against the Clippers, and we'll show the replay. But we've seen that thousands of times, and I love it, dude. So if it can happen again over Paul George, I mean Paul George deserves it. He's going to get traded probably with that big contract. I'm just joking. I don't even know. But honestly, I think that the Suns are they're they're in the way of a lot of these teams on top of the west and i think that you'll find out against the clippers just how well they'll stack up against them and we always talk about the front line rebounding against these big guys the more athletic guys like serge abaca but team rebounding that's what the suns have been doing and they'll continue to do they're not i don't feel like they're scared or intimidated of these teams at all i just don't i don't see it in them like before of course i'd be worried but this team is just different no, absolutely. This is a team fellas! full. What up, fellas? It's a bunch <laughs> of fellas out there, man. And, yeah. and you know, they're, they're playing for each other, with each other. I do love the point on team rebounding. I think that that's, uh, even tonight against the Nuggets, it's highly effective. Then when we do have smaller guys out there, they're just, they're, they're a pain in the other team's ass. They're, they going they're batting the ball around and, you know, creating mismatches and problems for them to where it, it just, it, it annoys the other team. So it's going to be something that, Going against Serge Ibaka, Ivaka Zubak, uh, Paul George, uh, 
Kawhi Leonard, a good defensive team, you know, in, in that aspect. It's really going to be interesting to see how this new version of the Suns, the Suns that are now what 13 and one in our last 14 games and 15 yeah. of and two in our last 17 games, going all the way back to last year and last season. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how we match up against them. I know that last year, actually, that was one of the first games we went to was when Ricky Rubio was out, like game three of the season, and we beat the shit out of him. So we'll be very, uh, it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah. I like what a bicentennial kid in the chat said Chris Paul, revenge game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Let's see, let's you see think the Suns will make a trade for, um, for Blake Griffin to bring him back just in time for this game? Not a for fucking the chance. Dude. Revenge game? I'm just joking. For the, for the ultimate. Yeah, please, please don't. Please don't disrupt this chemistry right now. Okay. Please don't uh, disrupt this chemistry. So um, is there anything you else you have to share with the Jamster faithful before we get out of here on this high note and, and, and feeling good on January 1st, 2021, my friend? Well, personally, there's like an itch, right? I'm just joking. Oh. Well, no. Yeah, no, there's I'm a powder for that. Yeah, so I was talking about Chris Paul MVP chances, but it's funny because they were 8-0 in the bubble, but a lot of those games they played, they played against the second unit in the fourth. So it's like you bring in Chris Paul. He's just that missing piece to where he can finish these games, and I love to see it in this game because we know he can do it, and he's been giving it up to Booker. They're sharing the time, but he knows this is Booker's team, so he gave him the chances before. Booker was there tonight. Chris Paul came in, took care of business. Everyone gave it as much as they could because they know if we get this game, go five and one, we get a day off tomorrow, which would be nice right before the Clippers. So I think they just put it all in tonight and came out on top. And I'm not used to this. It's been a while. So I'm adjusting. I'm a little hungover from last night. Maybe, maybe that's why I feel <laughs> so depressed. Who knows? But I'm feeling great now, man. I feel on top of the world. Oh man. I, I, I I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Here, right. So, yeah, whoa. I mean, have a beer, man. Like, settle down. Yeah. <laughs> Life is good right now, man. The Suns win. We beat the Nuggets. Uh, really, a qual- again, I'll say it again, man. Quality W for the Suns. Can't yeah. be more excited for Planet Orange right now and, and the efforts that we're putting in. We got a, a tough road ahead of us. You know, we get through a couple more of these games because you have the Raptors right after the Clippers, uh, which I feel like is a, a team that's really not the Raptors that we're used to. And then we have an opportunity to run some off. So, I mean, th- this team could rival the the best team in Suns history that started 11-1 and one in the 1980-1981 season. And mm-hmm. 20 years later, in 2000-2001, uh, that's when they started 5-1. and one. That's the last time this team started 5-1. and one. So it's a great time to be a member of Planet Orange. I appreciate everyone who decided to stop in on their New Year's night and hang out with us. Please remember to subscribe to the pod on YouTube and hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the pod on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow this guy on Twitter. Let's see. And uh, as for everybody else, have a great night. Uh, Take care of each other. Uh, This beer is empty, so it's time for another one. (laughs) All right, everyone, uh, stay home. I love your family. Don't be (laughs) so depressed. Yeah, that's just a Matthew problem. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 